and welcome to yet another anime podcast. Just who the hell do I think I am? I'm Ninja Boy, and I'm yet another anime podcast host. One of the things I wanted to do for this podcast is to do some episodes looking back at the works of specific directors. Uh, I actually have another podcast where I do this for movie directors called Filmography in Focus. And my first episode of that show was Makoto Shinkai. Uh, we go really in-depth into the history and the techniques and motifs and themes that directors like to go really into the depth. Uh, since this uh podcast uh, is shaping up to be a bit more on the recommendation side of things. I figured uh, I would do a bit of a uh, look back at a specific director's work and give you some guidance, you know, where to get started with them and what to look out for. I'm not quite as in-depth and analytical as my other show. Um, When I was trying to figure out which director to do for this particular episode, uh, I got a bit of a sign from the universe in the form of a video from Funimation uh, of a special rendition of the song Real Folk Blues, the ending song from the anime Cowboy Bebop, uh, which they did for COVID relief. This version brought together the original band of the song, The Seatbelts, directed by their director, Yoko Kano, in a who's who of anime music, including composer Kevin Penkin, rapper Substantial and Megavan, as well as some of the original voice actors from the series, uh, Boy Billingslea and Stephen Bloom, among many other talented musicians. Uh, the full video will be linked in the sonus before, and that's what you're listening to now. Uh, in any case, this video reminded me of how much I love the works of one Shinichiro Watanabe. Uh, I mean, I have Spike wearing headphones as my current podcast cover image in lieu of finding being able to find anything else. Uh, and, you know, I end the show, you know, with a Sea Space Cowboy bang. Uh, so this is definitely, you know, Cowboy Bebop is definitely one of my all-time favorite shows. And for, fortunately, for the purposes of this podcast, I've actually seen all of his series. Uh, the only one I hadn't seen up until a couple of weeks ago uh, was his most recent work, Carol and Tuesday. And this past weekend, I went and binged that, so we're good to go. Uh, in any case, let's get started and jam and learn about the works of Shinichiro Watanabe. <laughs> Watanabe-sensei was born in Kyoto in 1965. He first started working in anime as part of Sunrise Studios, the studio that makes you know, the Gundam series, uh, eventually doing episode direction and storyboard supervision on uh, shows such as The Vision of Escafloni and Mobile Suit Gundam 0083 Sordus Memory. Uh, before, he, he ended up making his directorial debut as the co-director of the Macross Plus OVA in 1994. From there, he had his directorial debut in Cowboy Bebop in 1998, as well as the accompanying feature film Knocking on Heaven's Door in 2001. His next full series was 2004's Samurai Champloo, and then after doing some music work uh, producing for shows such as Masaki Yuasa's film Mind Game, and the 2008 series Michiko and Hachin, and the 2012 Lupin III series A Woman Called Fujiko Mine, uh, he had his another series again in the 2012 adaptation of the manga Kids on the Slope or Sakamichi no Apollon. 
Two years later, in 2014, his series Space Dandy premiered simultaneously on Toonami in Japan. And later that year, he also had his show, his show Terror in Resonance, or Zonkyo no Terror. His most recent series since then has been the work Carol and Tuesday, which premiered here in the West on Netflix in 2019. On top of his full series, he also has directed a number of cyberpunk animated sorts for Western films,、uh, specifically the anthology of the Matrix sword films, The Animatrix, as well as the accompanying sword for Blade Runner 2049 called Blade Runner Blackout 2022.、Uh, he's also directed、uh, some music videos for the popular music artist Anderson Pack. Before I get into the specific series and why I enjoy each one,、uh, one common thread throughout all of Watanabe's works is his expert use of music. Each show has really a distinct musical identity in terms of genre, and many episodes in his shows are named after real life music songs.、Uh, most, though not all, of his works owe as much to him, to the composer Yoko Kano, who has provided music for over half of his works, as they do to Watanabe's directing. Uh, you'll hear a little bit of the score from each show in the background as I discuss each film.、Uh, you know, again, I won't go full-blown spoilers, and I'll try to avoid as many spoilers as I feasibly can for each of these series.、Um, after all, where's the fun, you know, in in going to that if this is meant to be recommendations? But hopefully, you'll be able to glean a taste of what each of his shows has that might be of interest to you. So first up, Cowboy Bebop. It's set in the world of 2071.、Uh, most of humanity has moved off Earth into space. You know, harkening back to the days of the Wild West,、um, a bounty system is set up where cowboys can chase criminals for a reward.、Um, cow- uh, bounty hunters tends to be a common theme in, in Watanabe's work.、Uh, we start the series with the extremely cool Spike Spiegel and the rock-solid Jet Black on board the spaceship Bebop,、uh, acting as bounty hunters. Over the first couple of episodes,、uh, the femme fatale Faye Valentine, quirky hacker Radical Ed, and space corgi Ein join them, and from there their adventures go on.、Um, you know, Bebop uses self-contained、uh, 26 episodes, or as they call them, sessions,、uh, that are largely episodic and self-contained in their narratives. Each session, for the most part, covers a different bounty-related misadventure. A couple, you know, span the, you know one or two episodes, but for the most part, this is all contained in, in single episodes. Over the course of the series,、uh, we get to learn more about the individual characters and their past and traumas and how they cope with them.、Uh, there are a couple of overarching story arcs, you know, Spike's relationship with the Red Dragon Syndicate and the man named Vicious and the woman named Julia, as well as Faye's past that she can't remember due to amnesia. But these only pop up every couple of episodes, or every few episodes or so.、Um, And notably, different from most anime that you know feature spunky, bright-eyed hero heroes,、um, spiky-haired heroes, it's less about growth for these characters and more about them coming to terms with their past. They've already lived; they've already had their character arc, and we're just learning about it in bits and pieces,、um, getting it pieced together. Much like you know, in a band, different el- instruments will come together to make the whole.、Um, This character storytelling is probably the, the single greatest element of this show's story that I can point to, among many other things,、uh, and that really makes for a compelling show. On top of that, the animation, especially for any martial arts sequences, is worth ruling over. You know, just, just alongside the fully realized setting of a wild west solar system, you know, everything from the spaceship design to just, you know, the day-to-day life of how things would function in such an environment. 
Uh, there, are another, there are a number of reasons I think Bebop is so especially beloved and renowned here in the West. Uh, for one, it was the first anime to air on the first block of Adult Swim uh, back in 2001. While anime had appeared in the West before, Toonami had Voltron, Dragon Ball, Sailor Moon, and Gundam, and Akira had definitely appeared over a decade prior. Um, you know, I think Dragon uh, Godway Bebop really is the one that got a lot of people into anime. Uh, I think part of that is the ma- more mature content uh, compared to you know stuff in, in Sailor Moon or Gundam. You know, on top of that, Watanabe has grown up on Western films. He said that in many, many interviews. And he's definitely reciprocated his love for Hollywood within this series. You know, while Spike can be seen as a a space-age version of an Eastern samurai or a martial artist with his affinity for, you know, the the philosophies of Bushido as well as Jeet Kune Do, uh, he is framed in stories that harken more to Western genres, such as noir, cowboy westerns, blaxploitation, martial arts, kung fu, 80s action, and many more. You know, combined with the appropriately named bebop-infused soundtracks by Yoko Kano and the band The Seatbelt, you get to hear tracks that range from jazz to blues to funk and soul. Um, and in a time when many anime were clearly rooted in Japanese philosophies and traditions, uh, bebop stood out. You know, it's no wonder that it's often recommended as the gateway anime for first-time anime fans. Since there are elements familiar to fans of Western media present throughout the show, you know, combined with a more mature story being told, that avoids many of the more questionable degeneracy present in the anime and so it makes for a good first impression uh, as far as my personal relationship with Bebop goes you know I watched it for the first time my junior year of college during spring break uh, when I couldn't really go anywhere because of my allergies uh, while I'm you know generally a subtitles kind of guy uh, the reputation for Bebop as having an amazing dub got me to watch it in English and frankly I'm really glad I did I'm due for a rewatch uh, I definitely want to see it in both English and Japanese uh, again and you know beyond that you know I mean if it's not obvious, when, again, the way I am, my podcast and from the podcast, it's one of my all-time favorites. It may also be the reason I'm a sucker for shows with killer soundtracks. Uh, you know, in fact, when I was part of my uh, college's uh, b-boy crew, we did a performance to a remix of the opening song "Tank" uh, in homage, actually, to uh, an earlier generation of a crew. You know, several years before, had danced the original version. Um, I'll link to both of those in the show notes if anyone's interested in watching. So if you've ever listened to you know lo-fi hip-hop beeps while while chilling or studying, uh, you probably have Samurai Champloo, uh, Watanabe's sophomore work, to thank for that. Uh, set in the 1670s Japan during the Edo period with various anachronisms, it follows the adventures of Mugen, Jin, and Fu. Mugen is a vagabond who wanders the countryside getting into brawls, utilizing his unique breakdance-inspired fighting style. Uh, Jin is a more traditional ronin, you know, a samurai without a master, uh, straight-laced in contrast to Mugen's wild ways. And they end up working with, alongside Fu after she saves him from execution in the very first episode um, as, he, you know, as he wants to go find a uh, man who's a samurai who smells like sunflowers. And that's kind of the setup of the preface for the show. Uh, in, in many ways, Sampu is definitely the spiritual successor of the Bebop. You know, beyond having the same voice actor in the English dub, like Bebop, Sampu is an episodic show. You know, the whole show is really about the idea that it's the journey, not the destination that you end up at that really matters. The ending is honestly a little bit bittersweet um, and somewhat anticlimactic, um, but it's everything, the, every episode along the journey uh, that makes it worthwhile to follow along. 
before you get small reminders each episode of what the ultimate end goal is uh, the interactions that these characters have with individuals in different towns that help shape the texture of the show as in Bebop these characters have personal histories that they have to deal with and you see that in episodes dedicated to them as the past uh, rears its head I think if Bebop was taking Eastern ideas and sneaking them into a Western influence, so Sam Pop does the opposite. It takes Western ideas and trains them in the Eastern genre. Specifically, Sam Pop takes elements of hip hop and individualism, um, and one episode, baseball, uh, and frames them within a samurai cinema series, which is known as Chanbara. Um, you know, hip hop elements involve the four main pillars of hip hop uh, b boying in Mugen's fighting style, graffiti, you know, which they do using paint brushes instead of spray cans, MCing, which some side characters beatboxing, uh, and DJing in the form of using record scratches to transition between scenes. It's even in the name, actually. Uh, Shampoo comes from the Japanese word chanpu, which means to mix, so it can be translated as samurai me- remix. and Hip-hop is really about taking uh, elements from before, in this case, old record tracks, and then remixing it up in a new way to make it relevant and, and for, for the modern era. Now, speaking of hip-hop, you really can't separate, separate Samplu from the music of the late and great Jun Seba, aka, aka Nuhabes. Uh, there's definitely a whole, it's a whole wide world of hip-hop out there. Uh, you know, there's hardcore rap from New York, G-Funk from the West Coast, Fast, heavy southern rap, um, but Nuhabes, you know, his his style was to take and sample jazz and other genres for a more serene, chill, atmospheric vibe and beat, you know, and very very similar to the work works of producer Jay Dilla. Um, again, this hip hop hip hop influence really helped shape uh, Samurai Samplu and helped it cross over into the West uh, for fans of hip hop. You know, in more recent years since Samplu, uh, since Nuhabes' uh, style and vibe has you know largely become influential to lo-fi hip-hop producers um, you know that's kind of a way that lo-fi hip-hop has grown and become associated with anime due to New Harvest's work in Samurai Sampleu you know for me Sampleu was definitely the most recent work aside from Watanabe's aside from Carolyn Tuesday that I watched only watching it last year I'll definitely say that you know while I definitely recommend both it and Bebop I probably go with Bebop first again partly because you know Sampleu is almost an extension of what Bebop does Next up, we have Sakamichi no Apollon, or Kids on the Slope, and it's pretty unique among Watanabe's work for a number of reasons. Uh, for one, it's the only work of his that's actually an adaptation of a pre-existing work. Uh, most of his, other, all of his other works are unique stories uh, that he's written himself. Um, in this case, it's the manga series of the same name, Kids of the Slope, uh, by mangaka Yuki Kodama that ran from 2007 to 2012. As such, it's also his only work that is it's the that's the most realistic, uh, frankly speaking. Um, you know, most of his works either take place in outer space, such as Bebop or Space Dandy, or you know, even um, even uh, Carol and Tuesday to some degree, um, or in an alternate version of reality, such as you know, Samurai Sampleu taking place in an alternate past, or Zonkyo Terra taking place in an alternate present. Um, this show is really, if I had to describe it, it's a slice-of-life story of a couple of dudes, high school boys from 1960s Japan, who discover mutual love for jazz and the relationship that grows out of that mutual hobby um, as they go on through life. 
you know, there's a little bit of a romance along the way, which isn't necessarily the strongest, but that's not why you are here to watch the show. Uh, it's also worth noting that as it's an adaptation, uh, the last two of the nine volumes from the series were actually condensed into a single episode. So if you are interested in the story of the show, you might want to go back and read the manga, um, especially since there was an epilogue chapter of the manga that never made its way into animated form. Uh, this leads to, with as with most of, uh, of Artanabe's works, somewhat of a bittersweet ending. Uh, really, the musical motif here is obviously jazz, um, once again led by the wonderful Yoko Kano and the Seed Dolts. Um, the highlight in particular, I think, of this show is a medley in episode 7 where, you know, and and you know, that's what you're listening to now. I would argue it's, if not the best uh, music performance team in anime history, definitely, you know, in contention and in the conversations for being one of the higher ranking ones. You know, not only is the way the music performed audioly uh, enough to turn anyone into a jazz fan, um, the animation of the jazz performers are engaging and realistic to really complement the music and show the energy and the vibe that these music means to the character. You know, in a sense, jazz would be the genre that really defines Watanabe's style. While you know, definitely highly skilled and, pol- and polished from a technical level, there's a soul and body and roughness to it that feels like it's almost slapdashed together and taking different elements mixed up, kind of like hip-hop. Um, and you know it really makes it makes their characters and the world feel like real living dynamic things that you buy into as you really never quite sure what will come up next. Um, I would definitely say uh, Kiss on the Slope is the one with the strongest music of his series. Speaking of unexpected, uh, early 2014 brought to a space dandy, which is I would call Watanabe's most unique project of all. Uh, first off, uh, it's actually the first anime in history uh, where every episode premiered in the States before it did in Japan. Uh, episodes would air on Toonami's, the Toonami Midnight Block in the US a few hours before they aired on TV in Japan, and there was simultaneous English dubs alongside the Japanese language track. Um, while that's becoming more and more common practice nowadays, especially with streaming sites, uh, in 2014 this was really unexplored waters and really you know helped push the industry forward in this direction. In the broader sense, I think Space Dandy is really about unexplored waters. Uh, the show follows another scampy roguelike bounty hunter, Space Dandy, uh, named Dandy, uh, a mix somewhere between Mugen's brassness, Spike's cool swagger and self-confidence, mixed with a bit of 1930s splash Goron, you know, Dandy alongside the stowaway alien Mew and the robot companion QT. Uh, they explore a different planet each week. Uh, the twist is that with each planet and episode, uh, on the back end, a separate team of scriptwriters, episode directors, storyboard artists, and animation supervisors would oversee the production of that particular misadventure. And no single episode among the 26 episodes ended up having the exact same combination of four you know, leads on the episode. Uh, looking just at the episode directors alone, there were 21 directors over 26 episodes. And these are some heavy hitters in the anime industry, as well as some newer talent. Um, some of the luminaries who have stuffed to their names since then and, and before are include Shingo Natsume, who directed One Punch Man, Sayo Yamamoto, who directed Yuri on Ice and the Michiko and Hachin anime, 
Hiroshi Makasaki of Steinsgate, Satoshi Saga of the Hunter Hunter OVA, Masahiro Mukai of My Hero Academia Season 4, and the legendary Masaki Yuasa, who has had works such as Devilman Crybaby, Blue Over the Wall, Ping Pong the Amination, and last season's hit, uh, Keep Your Hands Off Izuken. With Watanabe acting as the general director, trying to corral all of these directors together, um, though apparently they all came to him asking to work on this project versus him having to go to find people, which kind of shows how much how well regarded Watanabe is in the industry. Um, you know, these directors were really able to showcase their own individual unique styles. Um, I would argue, you know, uh, Space Dandy has the best animation of Watanabe's works because of all the talent have across the industry, all across the industry, having the freedom to showcase what they're able to do. You know, even if the feel and look isn't necessarily the most consistent, um, definitely think. I mean, for example, just look at the, you know, Sakuga in the first episode and accent versus the weird trippiness of, you know, Masaki Yuasa's episode. Um, and again, this kind of works with the premise of the show. And minor spoilers here, um, and this is mostly my interpretation, so take it what you will. But I don't think it'll, I think it'll actually help your enjoyment of the show if you think it this way. Um, basically, events that happen in the first episode lead to Dandy ending up being able to appear or traverse somehow the multiverse and ending up in alternate realities. So you know, in more than one episode, Dandy or one of the side characters or the enemies uh, will end up dying actually by the end of the episode. And then the next episode, they're back as if nothing had happened. I remember watching this live on Reddit. There would be these threads trying to construct what is the space dandy timeline, and you know, this is a dead end. Okay, I have to go to another universe or whatever. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's a wild show, and again, the freedom and randomness of the directors leads, I guess, leads to the randomness of the shows. But in the sense, at the same time, because Watanabe has the directing over it, you kind of get also a consistent sense of who these characters are and 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 what the universe that they're in is like, as wide and varied as it is. Um, this really takes the episodic nature of Beyond to the next level. You know, episodes range from being very accent heavy to somewhat psychedelic to bittersweet and sentimental. Um, you know, where Bebop uses the episodic nature to explore the past of its characters, Dandy uses its, ex- its episodic nature to explore the breadth of the universe, both in the show as well as what's out there in the industry. You know, this is less of a strict narrative continuity than Bebop or or Kids on the Slope or uh, or Shampoo, but it's definitely no less entertaining. You know, if I had to describe Danny's musical identity, it's pretty eclectic as the episodes are. Um, but I think a main touch point would probably be 90, like late seventies funk mixed with sixties disco and maybe a little bit of fifties big band. Um, you know, there are definitely callbacks to some space operas like Star Wars with and various other early sci-fi films. Again, Flash Gordon is definitely a touch reference here. Um, some Sith sounds going in there. Um, the opening track Viva Namida uh, can definitely hold his own against the other Watanabe openings. And you know, Yoko Kano again, even though she didn't direct all of the music, she definitely contributed um, with the ending song as well as uh, adding a few tucks to the OST. Also, no, this is one of the other anime I think that definitely I plan on re-watching, uh, both sub and dub, as I feel you know the dandy's English actor um, Ian Sinclair really captures that self-assertiveness of, of dandy with a little bit of, of, of awkward dumbness in there. Um, I mean, if it, the show aired in English first before it in Japanese, wouldn't you argue that you know really Japanese is the is the dubbed version of the show?
in the same year as Dandy came Zonkyo no Terror or Terror in Resonance. Uh, the plot of this anime follows a pair of children named 9 and 12 for reasons that become obvious in the show why they're named that way. Um, and they end up plotting and committing acts of terrorism in J- the Japan. And then a girl named Lisa gets wrapped up in their plans. Um, the mystery thriller unravels from them over 11 short episodes. Frankly, Zanki no Terror is probably the show that I would recommend least, um, although not to say it doesn't have its strong points. Um, the music is, once again, brought to you by Yoko Kano, uh, though this time it was inspired by As- Icelandic rock, of all things, uh, specifically work of the band Sigur Ross, uh, which apparently, according to Watanabe, was the direct inspiration of the show. Uh, between the animation and the alternative indie rockish music, um, the atmosphere is very melancholic um, and expertly crafted. And you know, this is most encapsulated in this motorbike scene at the end of episode four. You know, even if I've forgotten a lot of the details of the specific plot, um, that scene of just like riding a motorcycle in the rain with that music playing in the background still really resonates with me and many other viewers. You know, where the show does fall a little bit short is in the writing and the narrative plot. Um, there's a specific character coming in about the midpoint that some feel make the show less enjoyable, and then the ultimate resolution to the show, while bittersweet and some may like that, especially for a Watanabe work, some may find it frustrating and not as believable. Um, personally, you know, I think Watanabe is best when he does his more episodic series, such as, you know, Dandy, Sampleu, or Bebop. Um, so it makes sense that the more serialized narrative nature that fo- relies on the week to week following um, stands apart, you know, maybe not as favorably. Um, you know, of course, that being said, the only way you'll find out if you fall into one camp of enjoying it or not is really to watch it. And with only 11 episodes, that's totally feasible, especially if you're trying to be completionist about watching all of his works. Finally, we come to Watanabe's most recent work. Um, you know, if he has shown over the past five shows that he loves Western music by incorporating throughout all his works and even directing a show all about jazz specifically, um, Carol on Tuesday really is the magnum opus of that passion for Western music. Uh, for one, he worked with Canadian producer Maki to put together the music here. Um, and you know most of the musicians who contributed to the show are Western artists, um, Flying Lotus, Lauren Dyson, Madison and, Ty- and Taylor McFerrin, the children of Bobby McFerrin, Steve Aoki, Denzel Curry, the rapper. You know, as far as you know, as these are all artists who who are well known in the Western music scene that are contributing on a on an anime. Um, as far as the main protagonists go, you know the titular characters of Carol and Tuesday, as well as their rival Angela. Um, they held a global vo- voice audition for their singing voices. So even with the Japanese dub, which, which is what I watched, um, it's done in the the singing is done in English with in, with native English speakers. You know, ultimately the roles went to Nye Vix from New York and Atlanta for Carol, Selenia Ann from Tokyo for Tuesday, and Alyssa from uh, the UK and Australia for Angela. Um, Carol and Tuesday themselves are an acoustic 
folk pop duo who they meet singing on the streets of a Mars-based New York analog, Alba City, which I'm a big sucker for films with New York and anime. Maybe that'll be a whole other episode into and of itself. Um, but, you know, over the course of the series, they attempt to break into the music industry um, with the help of their manager, Gus, you know, as the rival Angela tries to do the same, uh, having grown up being like a teen model. You know, the, the genre of music really ranges from pop to R&B to rap to ballads to EDM to really experimental stuff to even barbershop quartet conducted by drag queen sisters named the Mermaid Galaxy during an American Idol analog. Seriously, uh, the song by Mermaid Galaxy uh, in episode 9 is my favorite song of the whole season. Uh, they released a whole album of all of the songs sung on the show. Go definitely check that one out. Um, but beyond that, you know, there are clear references to other real-life musical idols. Um, there are parallels for David Guetta, um, Beyonce, Fika Twigs, um, David Bowie, and Whitney Houston, among many others. Um, you know, the show generally touches upon different realities of being in the music industry. Um, not maybe not quite in as much detail as you know, like Ciro Baku did with making music or making anime. Um, but you know there are stuff like you know trying to break out and getting your first live gigs to making music videos to negotiating with labels and you know dealing with the pressures of fame you know specifically dealing with drugs and alcohol or with crazy stalker fans um, you know the animation of the music is generally pretty good um, I would say the animation of the reaction stock to said musicians not quite as as great but at, at the very least the the musicians performing next to it they actually showed some behind the scene videos where they uh, filmed the actual singers performing their songs and then used that as a as a reference when animating the movements and performances you know, on top of the excellent music in the show, um, again, they released two whole albums of the songs. Go check those out. I think this is Watanabe's world building at its finest, even better than Cowboy Bebop in some respects. You know, again, they do reference his other science fiction works. They use the same currency, Wulong, which suggests uh, Watanabe's science, you know, multiverse or universe, I guess. Um, but, you know, they even saw a clip of Space Dandy as an anime that's being watched in the show. Um, but, you know, Watanabe really digs into the idea of what would a society on Mars look like? You know, everything from the fact that Christmas trees are really expensive because trees don't really grow natively on Mars to weather factories that help regulate temperature and make it so there's perpetual summer year-round. And when that gets blown up, you know, there's snow for the first time in many, many years. Um, there's artificial assistance that's responsible from everything from directing homemade videos to managing cryptocurrency to providing medicine to providing security and even producing the music itself in fact sometimes i feel there's almost too much world building in here um that he can't really flesh it all out as much as he would like you know there was a plot thread early on where it was like carol and tuesday one of the things that set them apart was that they wrote their own music and didn't rely on um ais and artificial intelligence to write those songs like most musicians did such as angela or you know the david Geta, uh character dj ardigan um you know, they, you know, I really wish that they had uh, dug into that and, and see, like, what is it about music that makes it music? Is it the fact that it's written and it doesn't have to be written by a UI and make it not music anymore? Or what does that mean? And kind of having a unique voice. Um, that's kind of like a semi mini theme in the first half of the show. In the second 13 episodes, it kind of diverts from that um, and focus a little bit more actually onto a 
commentary about politics and the state of the world in current day, where there's like a Trump analog, maybe a Trump Hillary Clinton massive analog, I don't know, and discussions on, you know, I, what does it mean to censor free speech and how it affects musicians, as well as, you know, immigration rights um, and immigration crises as well. So, you know, good science fiction is a social commentary in a sense, so I'm glad that Warden already did that. Um, yeah, the thing, these things really make sense in the world of the Mars that he's built up. And, you know, as far as structure goes, I think he strikes a balance between the episodic nature of his more successful shows as well as trying to get to a more narrative place and following the journey of these characters uh, to the supposed seven minute miracle. Um, there are some self-contained episodes, especially early on, that let us to get to know and really love these characters. Um, but again, there is the overarching plot lines that carry through the end. You know, and I will say I love seeing the interaction between the many female musicians in the series and the people of color. You know, that's just really great for that representation in the anime. So if I had to give a recommendation guide for Watanabe's works, I'll say your best bet, start with Cowboy Bebop, uh, especially if you're looking for work with more adult characters and more mature themes in general, if that's what's turning you off from anime. Um, from there, if you're in it more primarily from the music, maybe go with uh, Carol Tuesday or Kids on the Slope, um, the former if you're into more contemporary pop, and the latter if you're more into jazz specifically. Um... You know, if you're into hip-hop specifically or enjoy anime set in the period of samurais and more Japanese feel to them, um, go with uh, Samurai Samplu. Um, but if you're looking for more crazy science fiction stories or more amazing and unique animation, uh, Space Dandy is definitely what your jam. Um, Zankyo no Terror would probably be the last one I would watch um, and it'll probably be something you'd watch if you're in, to, in for more for a th mystery thriller or you're just a completionist and want to watch all of Watanabe's work. Um, personally, my rankings for this show would go, you know, somewhere from favorite to least favorite, something like uh, Zanki no Terror uh, to Kids on the Slope uh, to Carol and Tuesday to Samurai Samplu to Space Dandy and then finally Cowboy Bebop. Um, though, you know, all all of the first of the best of the top five are definitely all must-watch in my opinion. And Bebop especially, it's the stuff of legends uh, for any fan of the medium of anime, even if it's not necessarily your kind of show. Um, I think it's something that you should watch um, you know, at the very least to appreciate the influence that show had on the industry and the shows that came after it, as well as its impact on shows for the, for the Western anime fan. Um, just to kind of see that history of, of where it came from. You know, overall, I'd say Watanabe's work, again, to sum it all up, comes down, his best work comes from his ability to create worlds and characters where, while we want to see where they end up, ultimately we want to just exist in the moment, in a mood, in an atmosphere with the music, with them as they go about their life. You know, the present with these characters is what matters the most. Um, there's often the un undercurrent, uh, undercurrent of melancholy in his works that not, I wouldn't call it depressing, but more so reflects the realities of life. It's not all sunshine and flowers. There's a roughness to this world we have to accept, and alongside the beauty of the world, um, which, again, he also makes takes care to reflect. Um, in fact, I would say that all but one of his works really ends in a somewhat bittersweet ending. Um, however, I think of the massive of the good, the bad, and the ugly of disparate music genres such as you know, samurai and hip-hop, westerns and bebop, space opera and funk, Icelandic rock and thriller, jazz and slice of life, pop and coming of age, all of these mashups, really that eclecticism and willingness to take the best from all of these different inspirations really define the work of Shinichiro Watanabe.
Anyway, I hope that through this episode, if you haven't seen this work before, maybe you found the next anime you want to watch. Uh, or if you've seen them all before, maybe I've reminded you of a show you loved and that maybe you should take time to revisit. In any case, if you have any thoughts or feelings about Shinichi Watanabe, hey, what's your favorite, you know, Watanabe anime? Uh, let me know at yet another anime podcast at zemo.com on Twitter at yet pod. I'm also working on getting my, my anime list up to date, so once I get that updated, I'll let you guys know where to find that. Um, yet another anime podcast can be found on iTunes, Spotify, and Google Play. Links in the show notes. If you can leave a review there or on podcasters.com, uh, it really helps. Uh, intro and outro music is provided by Suichi Sakagami at tandes.com. Editing and production is provided by Ninja Boy Media. Uh, that's it for this episode. We air on every first and third Fridays of each month. You know, until next time, remember, see you, Space Cowboy. Bang.